0: St. Louis County's 4th District County Council seat has been in Democratic hands for decades, but Curtis Faulkner believes he has a plan to break the mold. The Republican joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking.
1: Nine, eight, seven, six, six five, five, four, three, two,
2: one. Uh, I think that is fair to I say,
0: say. hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. It's
1: a really good question.
0: Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is... Colleague
2: Joe Manis. And
0: our special guest... Curtis Faulkner. You are the Republican nominee for the 4th District County Council seat... That is correct. We, I am the Frederick Douglass Republican candidate for the fourth <laughs> district. Okay, County yeah, Council we'll thing.
2: we'll get into that in a moment. This for <laughs> for our listeners,
0: for our listeners, we had Democratic nominee Rochelle Walton Gray on. I think the day or two after the primary, Mister Faulkner asked to be on the show, and we agreed just out of equal time and fairness. So we appreciate him coming to our studio on relatively short notice. So before we get into the campaign or any issues, tell us a little bit about yourself, your your professional political background. Anything we anything
1: that the voters of the fourth district would want to know about you? Okay, well, um, first of all, as a twenty year resident now, I'm initially from the Dallas Fort Worth area. I moved here in 1996. Because, and I have a co- operations called the Juneteenth Heritage and Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I came here, the state was looking for an, a supply-side product to be able to enhance tourism revenues uh, at that time, and that was under then-Governor Bob Holden. And so uh, they were looking for a product that they could utilize uh, to do that, from $12 billion to $13 billion was the goal. And so I was initially embraced because I represented that opportunity And uh, as we began to move and I got a chance to kind of get involved with the lay of the land, um, you know, there were changes. Bob Holden lost. He signed a bill. We first got a bill passed in 2003 uh, that made Juneteenth. It was HB 640, an official state holiday, which was a part of this plan that we've had and been moving across the country with uh, for the last 25 or so years. Um, 43 states now recognize Juneteenth. The only two that have bills that in turn require appropriations are Texas and Missouri. And so in so much... We then were able to um, get that bill passed. Uh, The budget was presented to the state. Uh, Line items were created under the Department of Economic Development. And then um, uh, Matt Blunt came in, and he in turn said he would support it, but we had to find ways to find the money outside of GR, which then became the non-residential athletic and entertainers tax. And uh, we crunched those numbers. We found that 51 percent of the money that the state collected, which averages about 35 million a year, was paid by black athletes and entertainers at 17.25. But yet only about 200,000 of that was coming back statewide to black heritage and cultural organizations. And that was done through the Missouri Arts Council and uh, their particular policies as matching fund grants kind of scenario meant that you had to be a friend before they would be your friend, inclusive of the fact that they had policies that said that African-American organizations could only apply for 12 percent of the funds that they were granting since they were only 12 percent of the population. So all of those things presented challenges politically as well. And um, in the process of all of this, I also was able to get amended the 1906 Bill that created the Zoo Museum District. Uh, Maida Coleman, who was then the uh, 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 state senator, along with uh, Mike Gibbons, who was the Senate Minor- majority leader at the time, the Republican Senate majority, they supported me on having an amendment made that creates the opportunity for an African American cultural subdistrict to become a part of the Zoo Museum okay. District.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, has that happened yet?
1: No, it hasn't. And all those legislations are sitting there waiting for the opportunity to be um, utilized. Uh, in the city, however, what we ran into was a resistance, uh, a resistance that even was said. Um, some of you may remember a gentleman by the name of Don Wolf. Who, uh, yes. Yes, who was here. He was an activist, supportive of mine. And after we did about the fourth festival as a venue-driven event, and, and I say that because the city policies at that time prevented the abilities to put up a fence and to charge an admission. Mm-hmm. And that was not good business practice from that standpoint, as you can well imagine. And as a result of that particular long-term policy, you've really never had any successful outdoor musical events here in the city to sustain themselves. Mm-hmm. And so in so much, though, um, I was told that it was uh, uh, an in, uh, the undesirable aspect of that from other individuals. But if I was to turn my operations over to some other folks, that they would give me a job. And uh, so then the other things is suited. The St. Louis Jazz Festival c- creeped up as a right. as and that was the entity. Um, they went out of business after five years in that situation. And so uh, we've gone through a whole lot, inclusive of the uh, contracting with uh, Summerfest out of California, out of that was a part of ICM to be able to try to produce an event. And, you know, at the end of the day, one of the things that we're faced with as a region, as a state, and as I've mentioned to all of the candidates who I've had a chance to talk to who are running at the top of the ticket, my question has been, how do you stop the bleeding and what's your plan to improve race relations? Mm -hmm. Because we've lost 650,000 people plus in this state in the last decade, which cost us a congressional district. Mm And that then means that our revenue streams, our revenues, are constantly dissipating. Did we lose
0: 650,000 people, or did the state just not grow fast enough? to? Yeah, create... the
2: state didn't grow fast enough.
0: I don't think we've actually lost population. I just think we haven't grown fast enough to keep the congressional seat. I'm sure people have left for various reasons, but, but the, I think the, 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 I think the, the, the state' population has
2: grown, but just not by enough. Yeah. Now, the St. Louis region, what he's talking about, there has been... Uh, a shifting. There,
1: as there's as been shifting well, in population. Yeah, yeah shifting I mean, in population, which yeah. cost us Dick Giphart's Dick, Dick district. We we have one right. less congressman, and each congressional district has to have 555,000 people to exist. And so when you lose a congressional district, it's because you don't have enough representation or you've lost the population significantly enough. Or that you that failed no longer... to grow
2: fast enough, which right. is what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Other states like Arizona have been growing faster, so they're getting...
1: Yeah, they're the gaining, seats. Yeah, just they're like gaining. Texas. They're gaining yeah. you know, get, they're gaining uh, representation in Washington, D.C. So, so where do you live now? I live in an unincorporated area out in North County. Okay. Um, North Hathaway Manor is the subdivision that I live in. And, you know, and so in so much, um, uh, having gone through these particular things, uh, I've continued to work. I also represent the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation. I'm the national chairperson for tourism. And you know what we have are what we have is a supply side product. The information that I've mentioned to you before, as far as the legislation, sets the foundation for the existence of what it is that I now say. Uh, can be unfolded in the Jamestown Mall properties. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Everybody's looked at it. There's not going to be an industry that's going to move back to North County. What we found is that North County pretty much is on its own. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have a plan to be able to revitalize and remarket the territory post-Ferguson, then for the most part, um, we find ourselves struggling to not become like some of the other North County cities uh, around the area.
2: So what prompted you to run for county council?
1: I think that it's timing. I think that right now we've had representation in the past that has not had that. Uh, When you look at his particular information, he has a checklist and he considered himself having done most of the things that he put on his checklist.
0: Are you talking about Councilman Mike O'Mara? Yes,
1: Mike O'Mara. And I, I, I think that now we are faced with where do we go post-Ferguson, and what kinds of new ideas and concepts have to come to to the front to be able to move there. I ask a question oftentimes to particularly uh, my uh, uh, residents that are black in their neighborhood and around the region. I ask the question, what is it in the region that represents your heritage, that touches you spiritually, that you find yourself fully proud of? And that question usually comes back as, that's a good question, or nothing. Mm-hmm. And so what you find from the psychology of that is, if people don't find relevance, and I say everyone wants right. to be relevant. And so if there's not a relevance that exists that gives people the opportunity to feel a part of or to feel ownership, then what you have is a lack or either a non-active approach in anything that may be a plan that they participate in. And so in my particular vision that I, in turn, have represented and have worked on, uh, you know, um, I, I feel that and I take the, the position that I'm the one that instituted the opportunity for the Macy sto- stores to be bought for a dollar that uh, Mr. Stinger bought here a uh-huh. couple of weeks ago. Um, I had found out back in January. Uh, that Macy's was going to sell off all of its non-productive stores and that they wanted to create a discount store, much like Nordstrom's has done with the rack, but they yeah. wanted to put them inside their stores. So I contacted Lorraine Kirk, who is the national properties person for Macy's, after have, having a meeting with Economic Development and many of the people in the Economic Development Council and in reference to pushing my particular concept of the, what to do with the <coughs> properties. And I said, let's move the monies off the table. Uh, I then called uh, both she, and I also have talked with uh, Omdi Mohamdi of the Carlisle. I've made a trip to New York to, uh-huh. to talk to him as well. And I said, look, I've got a 501c3. If you give us that particular pieces of property, you can write 50% of the value of it off of your federal income taxes. The county then followed suit and said if you give it to them, they would eliminate any back taxes. So I think there's somewhere in the neighborhood of $80,000 that Macy's owed the county, which then led <laughs> to the dollar transaction. We're still working with... Uh, Omdi, and there's also efforts to be able to try to take it and get the Sears piece of property. But until we get control of the property, um, we're not going to be able to tear it down. It's going to cost us about $40 million in which to do that because of the asbestos and other kinds of things that are part of the property. So we've estimated that there's been 40 to $44 million. Um, there's ways to piece that money together through HUD, uh, through the state in reference to the state Treasury department. So we have been talking and working on a plan that in turn has now the kind of merit to remarket that territory. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a simple guy. Uh, I don't claim to have all of the knowledge for sure. I'm not the and I've said before, if anyone has a plan better than what I've put on the table, by all means, put it there, and I'll back up off of mine and work on yours. I'm a team player. Right. But none has been placed on the table. And so to that point, um, you know, my version of that, my vision of that is to turn that into a, a tourist destination. Uh, it starts with an African-American heritage cultural center. Uh, that then is. I went to Seattle and I looked at Paul Allen's facility there in in Seattle, who has the American Music Museum. Yeah. And when you go on the Duck Tour, one of the things they tell you is that for the 268 million that he spent to build the building, he could have found a better architect that knew how to put corners on a building. <laughs> but, I have
0: been there. It, it, is, a, <laughs> it is a strange building. Yes. Continue. Right.
1: And that strangeness brings about the, the uniqueness that also allows it to have destination-specific capability, and so. You know, from that standpoint, I've looked into those kinds of things in forest architectural design. And it follows what now uh, has happened on the federal level with the Smithsonian building the African American Cultural Museum there in D.C. Yeah. And so what you find is that in doing that, you now find ways to be able to incorporate the heritage of black America as well as America, because the history you hear about, black history, well, that, that's American history. So you get a chance to incorporate that. Uh, We can invite Mr. Ron Himes to move his facility to North County and building a facility that's conducive for him to be able to have a performing arts facility along with his administration offices. Mm -hmm. Um, I've talked extensively to Lois Connolly. I think she's tired of having her air condition stole down on St. Louis Avenue with the black world of the Griot Wax Museum. Uh, my friend Robert Powell, though he has now sold Portfolio, uh, he and I have had the discussions about him and in turn bringing back Portfolio. I have the musical piece. And what that does is, and we've had the conversations with the school district, with the Hazelwood School District, it allows now there to be an existing facility to operate in concert with our educational institutions, both with the Hazelwood and the and School Districts, that allows for our children who want to be involved in theater Uh, And that's black and white. I had a young gentleman come up to me the other day and he was telling me about the struggle that he had had. Uh And he's in turn, he's a white young gentleman, uh, 24 years old. And uh, he was struggling, trying to find opportunities to be able to horn his craft and his true desires to want to be in theater. Sure. So when you have those kinds of facilities, you can present and create opportunities.
0: Well, I got to ask you, why did you decide to run for this as a Republican? Why didn't you try to enter the Democratic primary when you had a better chance to win?
1: When we first began to talk about this, and I say we, and there's a number of individuals who I consider to be some of the more politically astute here Mm -hmm. uh, in in the area. And I've probably had conversations with all of them. And if you go to my website, you will see many of their pictures on there who have been active individuals over the years. Mm -hmm. And so when we sit there and we realize that uh, Mr. O'Mara, with 16 years of being a... um, a Democratic incumbent and a union person, um, th- there was no way that you were going to beat him. You weren't going to get the party support to beat him because they already had a Democrat right. and the unions already had a union person.
0: But that, that assumption <clears throat> turned out to be incredibly wrong. Correct. He lost 60-40 to Rochelle Walton Gray.
1: Yes, he did. And, and 4,500 votes that I had polarized many of the white votes that he normally would have gotten that then would have put him over. Mm-hmm. um with no one had mentioned to me and I'd ask around miss gray had not been anyone that had been discussed among individuals that I had talked to even people within the family Fanny Lou Hamer group that you remember that
0: I do, existed
1: yeah. during the time of Mr Stingers and Mr Streams race right. um that was not her name was not the one that was mentioned there was another lady's name that was possibly mentioned but she filed after me, and so when I in turn said, "Well, perhaps what we need to do, understanding the dynamics of what was probably going to be faced in him facing Mr. O'Meara, what we need to do is be on the ballot in November." Okay. Because the fact oh, that th- the, the 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 voter population, when we looked at the numbers, uh, only twenty four thousand people showed up so in two thousand twelve. So I, 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 I think I
0: understand what you're saying. You entered the race before Rochelle Walton Gray with with the idea that O'Meara. Might emerge victorious, and then you would You'd be ch- the anti omera candidate. That
1: yeah, that would be correct. But but now fair. but
0: but now that's not the case anymore. You're running against somebody who's completely different in a district that has to be 70 or 80 percent Democratic as a Republican. So yes. how you, you've been trying to make the argument that we shouldn't prejudge races like this. Give me your case on why that's the case. And
2: how are you going to get people to vote? Um, Republican, because you know we don't have straight ticket voting in Missouri, but still, I would think that um, it might be difficult to get people who don't want to vote for Trump say, and then they to vote for maybe Kander or whatever, and then to shift over and vote for you for county council. So,
1: well, you know there are two things that I answer in that situation. If you since you mentioned Mr. uh, uh, in the in the gubernatorial race, uh, most of us know that Mr. Coster as a strategy, decided that he would become a Democrat to be able to win the nomination to become the attorney general, Right. where he had been a longtime Republican. Uh, and been at the top of the ticket, we say that Mr. Geithner, who in turn has been a longtime Democrat, chose to in turn run as a Republican. So Gratons. when it comes so when it brightens, yeah. yes. So it, when it comes to those kinds of things, it's about being able to be sophisticated enough to understand strategies. Mm-hmm. Parties, yes, in past times, have meant a lot, but I think that they've dissipated, particularly in the black community. Um, moreover, uh, in that situation, as you were mentioning a while ago, as far as Miss Walton, I believe that now what you are finding is, and as I'm able to be able to have the conversations, people are more interested in representation, one, that's passionate, two, that has a plan and a vision that can be communicated and understood. This has not been the case in reference to any previous times that we've had um, representation to vote for. Um, You know, right now, as far as I've seen, you know, her biggest thing is that I'm a Democrat, don't vote for the Republican. But that's not been the case. What you'll find, I probably have now had a groundswell, particularly among white uh, Democrats in the district. Uh, There are other baggages that my opponent brings. Such as what? Well, one, she doesn't have a track record for eight years that demonstrates anything of substance uh, as a representative in the state. Uh, She never even got leadership with the Black Caucus for the eight years she was there. Um, And outside of that, there are some things that uh, I'm hearing and I'm aware of. I'm not a proponent to go out and blast people, but there are some things in reference to her family uh, that necessarily does not resonate. Uh, within the community. You're
0: talking about Albert Walton, who used to be a state representative and is still a major political player in that area.
1: That's correct. And I know Albert and and I know of some of the things that his activities have brought him to in reference to the perceptions of his integrity Uh and credibility.
0: But I got to ask about that because I have interacted with him before too. And Mm -hmm. I've interacted with Rochelle Walton Gray as well. They are completely different personalities. They're even different on some some policies and politics, like I know that Albert Walton has been kind of opposed to labor unions for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walton Gray, or uh, Rochelle Walton Gray, is, is, is generally pro-labor Ex- union.
2: Explain to our, our uh, listeners the relationship between Albert Walton uh, and Rochelle Walton I apologize.
0: Gray. Um, Albert Walton is Rochelle Walton Gray's father. And um, uh, Rochelle Walton Gray has been in the Missouri House for eight years as a Democrat from Blackjack as as we kind of alluded to before, she ran against Mike O'Mara and and beat him pretty soundly. I, I'm just what I'm trying to say is I understand what you're you're saying and I have heard this type of sentiment. I'm just trying to ask you whether Rochelle Walton Gray should be punished for things that her father may do that people don't like. It just seems like guilt almost by association or is it it linked? I don't know. I want to ask you.
1: And you use an interesting term. You said punish. I'm not punishing. her. Understood. I'm running as a candidate who says, look, here's what you get with me as your representative at this time. Sure. It is up to Ms. Walton to make a case that in turn makes good business sense as to how do we go about remarketing? What's her plan? If, in fact, that she did that, we've attempted to try to have debates so we could have the conversation Uh and people could have. Have you had debates? No. And and to this point, I've not been able to find any ways that I could have such an interaction with Ms. Walton from that standpoint. But I'm simply saying that I think that if you put down what it is that you represent, what you feel that your skill levels are capable of doing, and if they outline what the benefits are, that people are going to look at that first and foremost.
2: Now, you mentioned before we went on the air um, about some Democrats reaching out to you. Most some of them are. Okay. Do you want to talk about that? And is there anybody particular who you want to mention by name or?
1: Ha- well, I'm assuming I can. And One gentleman out there who's a long-term Democrat is Don Zykin. Um, you know, uh, he is animate. Um, you have other individuals who have been involved in, demo- in Democratic politics out there, um,
2: Has the congressman, Congressman Lacey Clay, taken a stand in your contest?
1: Yes, he has. Um, And I say this, uh, Lacey and I are friends. Um, We've played golf together. Uh, He, in turn, has invited me to activities here uh, that has linked me with HUD, uh, EPA, other entities on the federal basis, regarding the plan that I'm speaking to you about for me to be able to find out how to go about accessing those resources for the implementation of that plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I can only say that if you have a friend who is giving you the tools in which to be able to fight the fight, that therein lies a (laughs) It speaks volumes as to what it is that that particular friend's interest also is.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I understood another thing of what you said. I think that there were probably people that supported Mike O'Mara who are disappointed that he lost and maybe getting behind your campaign because they're uncomfortable with Rochelle Walton Gray for whatever reason. Is that true? And could you kind of elaborate on that? Because that well, may make there the is race a lot more of, competitive.
1: There is a considerable amount of uncomfortability, both in the black and the white community. Um, as again, I, I, I'm not one to try to bash uh, anyone from the standpoint. I understand the efforts. Uh, let me say that the information that I mentioned earlier about the bills and the stuff, Juanita Walton was my friend. Uh, as I was telling you, I was going to Jefferson City. Um, she would pick me up on Mondays, and I would be in Jefferson City and come back with and, her and on And by Thursdays. the way,
0: for our listeners, Juanita Walton is Rochelle Walton Gray's former stepmother. She passed away, I believe, either earlier this year or last she did. year. So mm-hmm. I want to just mention that, but continue. And
1: we became uh, close friends and allies. Uh, much of what I was able to do during that time was because Juanita pretty much— told everybody, this is my constituent, and her office became my office. And so we worked closely in laying foundations that I've mentioned to you uh, when she was alive. Uh, and we maintained a friendship until her death. So, you know, again, having that relationship, I am not the one who in turn, and I've been to meetings, I understand a lot of what has been attempted to be done, but also understand that sometimes, based upon the resistance in our, in our society in general to certain things, that it can create some uncomfortabilities. Now, at this point, um, you know, I believe I bring a skill set and a knowledge to this particular position with a vision and cap- and certain active uh, uh, actions that are currently taking place that lend themselves to the desire of what the constituents in the district are looking for.
0: Now, let me ask you this, if you end up winning and you are, I guess, the third Republican on the council, what is your relationship gonna be like with County Executive Stanger? Because I think one of the reasons I was so interested in the results of that primary is because Mike O'Mara was a stalwart Steve Stanger supporter. Since he lost either, I mean, I'm just saying like right now, if Rochelle Walton Gray wins this race, she's perceived as less of a Steve Stanger ally. The reason I'm asking you this question, if you win, I would like to know what your relationship is going to be with him because I think that his ability to get things done over the next couple of years is going to be heavily dependent on who fills this seat. So I'd, I'd be interested in your take on that.
1: Well, first of all, I'm not sure exactly what the the, the scenario when you mentioned about my opponent I'm told that part of her reason in the race is because she was looking for a job. And so uh, I question as to how that scenario and relationship really would pan out because if he in turn were to help her, then I don't know how much of a difference she's going to actually be able to make having the fact that he now helps her get what she sought in the first place. Um, That's quite the difference with me. I'm not looking for a job, I'm looking to do a job. And so to answer your question, I don't know. Mr. Stinger and I haven't had any discussions.
2: Yeah, that's what I was wondering, if you talked yeah. to him at all.
1: I've not had any discussions. I'm sure he knows who I am. I can say this. Having had discussions with other members of the council, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, th- I, would, I would go on, on record as saying that I would probably have a greater percentage of votes that would support those aspects and efforts that I want to represent for North County.
0: What does that mean exactly?
1: Well, that means that uh, both on the Democratic side as well as any current seating Republicans and perhaps any who come in, uh, it has been at least communicated to me that they all find my particular Uh vision— One that they could support.
0: So does that mean, like, have you talked with, for example, Councilman Dolan, Councilman Page? I, I, we don't I know, know. We don't know who the councilman from the sixth district right. is. But uh, but those Sam
1: Page and I go back to he he supported some of the legislation when he was the state representative. Right. And you know, I also understand in the political situation sometimes things come about that creates the go along. Uh-huh. You know, the best political position that I've always understood being from Texas and being just one <laughs> of those guys that come <laughs> from those places. is yeah. The best thing is to have people. It may be something that they may not always like, but it becomes more politically disadvantageable for them to, to go against it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that right now that's the position that North County has. Uh, as we all well know, North County, even with Mr. Dooley, uh, he used to tout that uh, way to my North County votes come in. Mm-hmm. Um, Even with Mr. Stinger, uh, North County uh, weighs in heavily on his win and will do the same in reference to any upcoming election. So right now, North County understands that um, we can elect someone, and I say like myself, who in turn is not indebted but yet has a hardcore plan and brings capabilities that benefits the needs of the community, or we can take a pass.
0: Now, when you talked about the Jamestown Mall, is there any other priorities you would like to pursue if you're
1: elected to the council? Inclusive of being accessible, the other more uh, pressing is the sustainability of of our school districts. We've got three school districts in in the district that i will be representing that are responsible probably for 50 percent of all the black kids in the county's education. Uh, one which the Hazelwood School District that I've been intimately involved with for the last 18 years in just about every capacity that you can imagine, uh, uh, then uh, we're faced with a budget shortage that threatens our ability to continue to provide the kinds of services to sustain accreditation. Um, as I tell people, the two things that I've learned in my 65 years is that in a capitalist system, education as well as justice are both affordable commodities you can have as much of it as you can afford. Our magic number in Hazelwood is $200 million a year for our operations budget. That becomes an absolute must.
0: So we want to just thank you for being on our show. If you end up winning, we'll invite you back on, but we appreciate the discussion. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter, which happens to be down right now. So I'm not sure you can actually follow me on Twitter now. But when it comes well, to...
2: Well, hopefully, by, by the time people are listening to this, yeah. it'll be fixed. Uh,
0: Jay Rosenbaum, how do you follow you on Twitter, Joe?
2: Is it J Manis? It's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And
1: how would people learn more about
0: you on
1: the Internet? Well, of course, I've got a Facebook page that you can go to and see certain things. But my website is simply mymancurtis. Dot com.
0: I love that web page by the yeah. way. That's great. <laughs> we'll be back next time until then, so long.